Hello and welcome to Spirit Life Applied, Episode 7, To Be Slain or Saved. To Be Slain or Saved. Kind of an interesting analogy today and a wonderful lesson we have in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. We're looking in the uh, New King James I'm reading and then I'm going to read it in the Amplified Bible if you want to get your Bible or pull up your app at this time, that would be great. You can read along with me and we can try to glean the truth from each of these verses today. It's a very um, rich lesson. Chapter uh, 2 verse 1 says, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. In the Amplified, it reads like this. And you, he made alive when you were dead, slain by your trespasses and sins, in which at one time you walked habitually, you are following the course and the fashion of this world. We're under the sway of the tendency of this present age, following the prince of the power of the air. You are obedient to and under the control of the demon spirit that con still constantly works in the sons of disobedience, the careless, the rebellious, and the unbelieving, who against the purposes of God, who go against the purposes of God, among these, we as well as you once lived and conducted ourselves in the passions of our flesh, our behavior governed by our corrupt and sensual nature, obeying the impulses of the flesh and the thoughts of the mind, our cravings dictated by our senses and our dark imaginations or imaginings. We were then by nature children of God's wrath and heirs of his indignation like the rest of the mankind but God so rich in his mercy because of and in order to satisfy the great and wonderful and intense love with which he loved us even when we were dead or slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses. He made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself, the same new life with which he quickened him, for it is by grace, his favor and mercy, which you did not deserve, that you are saved, you're delivered from judgment, and made partakers of Christ. What an awesome selection of scripture we have today. He made us alive who were dead and tr in trespasses and sins is the first verse. 
he made alive has been added by the translators. Anytime you see a phrase or word that is in italics in your uh, Bible, it means that the translators added that. And it wasn't in the original language, but it's there because it makes it cohesive and it it's with, goes without saying that he made us alive who were dead. It's, it's kind of a given that that is what he is saying. So when it's obvious, the translators added in a word in order for us to uh, comprehend the full meaning of what the original language may not have had in the text. So he made us alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. To be dead means to be slain by your sins. You, you and I can relate to this. Whenever we lived in sin, uh, the devastation that we felt inside was always with us. We were slain by it. There was no hope. There was guilt that we carried. The, the feeling of being, being uh, defeated was always there. And I feel like the, the word slain is a really good description of how it is to live in sin and to walk that kind of lifestyle. So that's what we've been delivered from. We no longer have that guilt and that shame and that hopelessness hanging over us. We have been freed from that. We no longer walk in that. So we were dead. In, we were slain by it. Our trespasses and sins is those things that were unintentional <laughs> and the things that were willful. We sin unintentionally at times. And uh, we, we need that grace and the power of His blood to cleanse and cover us. But we, we're, not, we're no longer under the dominion of that sinful life and those ways that uh, cause us to slip up and step away from God. We're no longer under that sin and under that dominion. So if you want to look up more scriptures on that, look at 2 Corinthians 4, 3-4, and Luke four eighteen. Verse 2 says, In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. The word walked means to live a, a lifestyle or a habit of it, a habitual way. You habitually walked according to the way of the world. Um, the world is is uh, human-centered. And as Christians, we live a God-centered life. Our focus is on God, what do you want? Not what do I want? What, you know, what is my uh, body and my own old nature wanting me to do? But what is my new nature saying? So we, we walk... We used to walk according to the lifestyle of the world. In 1 John 2 and 15 through 17, it says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. 
This is a powerful verse right here, and it helps kind of define what what is walking according to the ways of the world. Because it, it says in verse 16 of, of 1 John 2, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So basically, every sin can be brought down to these three roots, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What, what are these things? What's the lust of the flesh? Well, it's those sinful desires that come up, and sometimes uh, Satan wants to tempt us with something that we um, would, would find pleasing to our, our old nature, our flesh, our bodies, and not according to what God wants us to do. And then there's the lust of the eyes. When we look at things that we shouldn't look at, uh, pornography, um, the opposite sex, someone uh, that has something that we want, covetousness, these are things that are there that are waiting in, in, in the world and we can be tempted by. The pride of life, that's that... That part of us that oftentimes can creep in unaware, and it says, you know, I'm better than it. It says I have a right to this or to that. I have a right to hold anger. I have a right to not forgive. Those kinds of things come from the pride of life. So it, those are all not of the Father, but they're of the world. And when we hone in on realizing what is in the world and what the Bible says is worldly, it kind of brings things down to our understanding that we all have to fight this battle and we have to stand against this, against it and not be slain by it, but be saved by grace. So the world is an external foe. The complete biblical library commentary reads, uh, according to this uh, scripture, it, it puts it this way. It's, the world is an external foe. It's evil influences surrounding us. And the flesh is an internal enemy. Its weaknesses making it susceptible to temptation. Satan is the infernal foe. He's going about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He uses the influences of the world to seduce believers, and he takes advantage of believers by attacking at their weakest points. But God has not left believers at the mercy of these enemies of the soul. So let's just recap a little bit. There's three enemies here. The world... All that's in the world, what's in the world? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Then he says the flesh or the self-life, it's the internal enemy. The weaknesses that we have in our flesh that Satan likes to get at. He knows where our weaknesses are. He knows how to tempt us to do things that are, are uh, we're vulnerable in, but God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. He wants us to know that his grace is there to help us resist those temptations. And then Satan himself is in the world, and he's the prince and the power of the air 
that this verse talks about. He's the one that is working uh, to to bring us down. But we don't have to give in to those temptations. We can stand against it. Whatever you're facing today, I just feel like I need to say right here, God has given you the grace to overcome. The grace is that divine empowerment, that that undeserved favor that none of us are, are worthy of. We're not, not ever going to be good enough. But He is so holy and so mighty and so magnificent in his every way that he provides a way for you to resist those temptations and he'll be there for you if you'll cry out to him when you're tempted by whatever it is from the worldliness around you from the pressure maybe it's peer pressure maybe it's something that you feel pulled into because you don't want to um, be humble and your pride is getting the best of you. You want to be accepted by others. Oh, God wants to deliver you from that. He wants to set you free and help you to be strong in Him and not be bound by the pressure of the world. So let's look at verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. He's saying, hey, we all have come from this. This is who we, before we became Christians, we, this is how we lived. And so we should have a compassion and an understanding that those who don't know Jesus, who don't serve him who have not surrendered their life to Christ they are going to have these ways about them and we shouldn't uh, be angry with them but we should have compassion towards them when they act out in ways that are according to the way of the world or the way of the sinful nature or according to Satan himself we need to have an understanding that they haven't accepted Jesus as their Savior, so therefore, they're just the way we were. So we were once the same, and that compassion should always be there. We always stand on an equal plane as humans. We no, None of us are above the other. We're all sinners saved by grace, you might could say here. We need the divine touch of God and His grace to be shed upon us in order to walk according to the way He has called us to walk. So we were once this way. We, we lived according to this type of thinking. But we have to have compassion on those who are still that way and haven't received the truth and the knowledge you know, it says, by nature, children of wrath. Have you ever seen someone or experienced, maybe before you were saved, an anger that was just always inside of you churning, that wrath? And you didn't even know why, but you were just always mad. That describes the grip that Satan has on our souls without Jesus. But when Jesus comes, 
He sheds his love in our hearts. And there's a change from the inside out. That newness of life comes. We're made alive. We're not slain, but we're saved. We're no longer destroyed by that anger that's in there. But we are healed from it. And it's taken away. Man's anger doesn't promote the righteousness of God. And the Bible says, be angry and sin not. There is sometimes we will become angry. But it's not like the wrath that churns. It's, it's a different kind of anger that says that something is unjust in our world. And it discerns and sees that there are things that are wrong that are going on. But it does not respond with sin. It doesn't respond with uncontrollable outbursts of wrath and violence. The Christian has a way that is new. And Jesus has called us to live in peace with all men and to seek for that peace and to love and to give the truth in love. We may have confrontations in this world, but we don't have to walk according to the ways of the world and resort to our old ways of violence. God wants us to live above that. So God, who is rich in mercy, verse 4, because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. This is the last two verses of our scriptures today. Those who are without Christ are still responsible for their sins and offenses against God. That is because God gives every human being enough spiritual light and grace, even in their own consciousness, that they can recognize God and turn to Him and escape the slavery to sin because of the freedom that's been provided through Jesus Christ. Those comments are from the Fire Bible. So those of us who understand that we've been brought out of this darkness, we also need to understand that the world and those out there, they have been given a consciousness that causes them to be accountable to God. And they are accountable. And God has provided grace for them to come to Him And they need that understanding. We need to have compassion on them. But we also need to warn them that they are heading for judgment if they do not repent of their sin. If you want to see more scriptures on this, John 1 and 9, Romans 1, 18 through 32, Romans 2, verse 1 through 16 will help you understand a little bit more. So God who is rich in mercy. Let's talk about that just a minute. Mercy. There's two kinds of terms. Mercy and justice. Justice is is getting what you deserve. And mercy is being spared from what you deserve. We deserved to die for our sins. But Jesus came. And because of his great love, it says, which with with he loved, which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, 
We were slain by our sins. Jesus died for us when we didn't deserve it. When we deserved death, he chose to give us mercy. Let God's mercy work in you today. Not only receiving it for yourself, but realizing it needs to be given to others. We are on a mission of mercy for this world as Christians. We have an incredible gift of salvation to share with them. And they who are slain by their sin need to be saved by grace. What an awesome gift God has given us. This is a powerful passage. I encourage you to read it over and over again because it it just kind of reiterates what you came from and where you're going to. How you've been pulled from and how you need to stay out of (laughs) the influences that are around you that may be pulling you back. We don't want to go backwards. We want to go forwards with Jesus and let him work mightily in our lives. Grace is there to give you power to overcome and not succumb to the devices of our flesh, of the world, and of Satan himself. You are an overcomer today through him who loves you and gave himself for you. God bless you. May the power of the Holy Spirit go with you and cause you to overcome in every situation.